0: You're listening to Kitchen Table Finance. Join Dave Shotwell and Nick Nada as they cut through the complexity of financial planning and serve bites of investment advice that are both personal and practical. Good afternoon, Nick. How are you doing? Hey, good, Dave. How about yourself? I'm doing fine. Doing fine. You ready for uh, the recording of episode five of our podcast?
1: Episode five. Seems like the first four flew by. It's yeah. crazy.
0: yeah. We'll be on 100 before you know it. That's right. That's right. Momentum. So today we're going to talk a little bit about one of the most confusing things, I think, in our industry for uh, everyday people to understand. And uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about investment company business models and how companies are set up and how people are paid and what that means for uh the end investor.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, when you think of a finance, of a professional of any sort, you think of a lawyer or a CPA and it's pretty straightforward in kind of terms of, you know, how those people get paid for the most part. Um unfortunately, in the investment world, that's not always the case and there's some some things that you as you're interviewing and an financial planner and investment firm, you really need to be kind of paying attention to. So we're going to go through some of those ins and outs of those and some questions around if you're working with someone that's in one of these models that you should be asking them just to really make sure that you understand how people are getting paid, what they're getting paid for, because that can have lasting ramifications on the advice that you're getting. And
0: I'm going to put this out there up front that uh You know, I think we both agree there's there's good people and good advisors out there working in all these different capacities. We obviously have our biases and have made our choices. And we'll get to that at the end about how we chose where we're at. But uh, there's a lot of a lot of friction in the in the industry amongst the different types of businesses. So I think that's important to get that out in front.
1: Yeah, I think you're 100% spot on on that, Dave. We all know people that are very good advisors that are in all three of these different models that we're going to talk about. And I think the key to success as you, the consumer, is understanding what those potential conflicts are before you get into a relationship. It doesn't necessarily mean you're a good or a bad advisor because you are fall in one of these three categories. The three basic overall types are you kind of can be broken
0: down into brokerage firms and insurance companies, registered investment advisory firms, and then hybrid firms that are kind of a combination of those two other business models. So when we talk about brokerage firms and insurance companies, they're basically companies that are set up to distribute and sell products. And... You know, so the the folks that work there are usually being paid commissions or sales loads.
1: Yeah, and, and kind of the you know, the the common example that people think of when they think of these a lot of times in the movies, especially in the you know, eighties movies like Wall Street, mm-hmm. where people are calling in and they're running around like madmen <laughs> and tearing stuff up and throwing stuff around. That is not what the brokerage firms of today looks like, but that's right. kind of where they came out right. of that product sales driven market. Right,
0: right. They were, they were there to provide products to consumers. And so the folks that work there are generally compensated based on what they provide, what they sell. And an important thing to keep in mind is that that compensation can also then differ depending on what solution they offer. And so, you know, that's an important distinction. Legally, those people are referred to as registered representatives of their firm. So if you see that on a business card or uh, in a title, that's, that's referring to a, a brokerage firm employee generally. One of the key distinctions, I think there's a lot of confusion about the legal requirements. Uh, so we should talk a little bit about the, the suitability standard and what their duty to their client is.
1: Yeah, so um, suitability standard gets thrown out quite a bit. And and suitability, when you think of it, is essentially you just need to make sure that the product that you are offering someone um, is something that's appropriate for them. And so this gets confusing a little bit. We'll talk a little bit more about a fiduciary standard, which is you have to put your client's interest ahead of your own so with a suitability standard there might be 10 or 15 products that are out there that might be suitable for someone who is looking to invest for growth right and as a brokerage firm you don't necessarily have to kind of as I like to call it take that next step into figuring out which one's going to be the best for you your baseline is these products are suitable if i get you into one of these products we're going to be okay from the standpoint of what I'm required to do as a broker. That's a key distinction as we move
0: into the next type of firm, which is the registered investment advisory firms. And a a registered investment advisory firm, usually shortened to RIA, you'll see that a lot. The, The main distinction is they're paid by their clients, not paid by the product creators,
1: yeah. And I think that is a, a key distinction here as well, as we get into kind of talking about compensation and fee only. So as a registered advisory firm, compensation is the same regardless of the product you use. And so that as an advisor gives you the ability to pick out what is you, you believe is best for your particular client. It doesn't matter if it's this product or the, here or one o- across the street, you can choose what's best for your client. And I think really that distinction comes down to you're not getting paid by the investment companies to select their product. And so in the brokerage world, a lot of times you'll not only get paid for selling products of a specific investment firm, but you also, there's lots of hidden kickbacks that go to your brokerage firm, the more that they sell that particular product or, you know, trips or awards for selling more of a certain kind of thing. And that doesn't happen in the registered investment advisory world. And and this is the channel that we work in. We're proud to be a registered
0: investment advisory firm. And, uh, you know, I, I like to say to a client, you know, if I choose to use Vanguard for your portfolio or dimensional funds for your portfolio or any of the hundreds of choices out there, it doesn't affect my, my outcome. My outcome is tied to their success. Not, you know, what, what those companies provide to me.
1: I think from uh, the standpoint of what it allows us to do is have a lot of flexibility as well. Mm -hmm. So if you think of, you know, maybe this is the best investment we feel this is the best investment for you today if in three months from now we're wrong, we can change to something else and chance, And chance you don't have to repay a sales charge or right. commission right. or something to move from where you're at today to where you're at tomorrow. Our compensation doesn't change, so that allows you to understand that we're always looking at what's best for you and we're not afraid to make changes because the direction where we were going is no longer right for you, and you're not going to be set back because of that by paying another sales charge or paying another commission.
0: Right, right. And and with that
1: goes a
0: legal requirement of acting as a fiduciary for the client. So anybody who works in a fee-only registered investment advisory firm is, is legally required to try to put the client's interest ahead of their own in all matters. So that's very different than a suitability standard. I think the way Michael Kitsis puts it is pretty good. He says, you know, a suitability standard is the same as tel- is helping someone choose a suit that, that fits, but a legal uh, fiduciary standard is more akin to making sure it not only fits, but looks good.
1: Yeah. So that's what we talk about going that extra level, right? So anybody can pick out a suit that fits. All you need to know is what the size is. Right. And in order to get the one that looks good on you, you have to know a little bit more about the client. You have to ask the questions about what's really important to them, what they're trying to accomplish. And you have to get very detailed about, you know, what their goals and values are in order for you to find that perfect investment. And with the suitability, standard and, and in the sales rule the brokerage firm you don't have to take that next step and that's not to say that there aren't brokers out there that do take the next step and that do a good job of that that's just to say it's not a requirement
0: right right you, you put that much better than I did it's uh it's an important thing to uh, to note between the uh, the two channels though then there's the third main category and this really just helps confuse things more i think for most people and that's that's hybrid firms which really like if you if we're talking about just about any brokerage firm out there right now they're all hybrid firms
1: yeah you don't see a lot of just standalone brokers right
0: right and what that means is is that company that those advisors work for is basically a parent company that owns both a brokerage firm and a registered investment advisory firm. And so with some of the things that those advisors are providing, they're being paid on a commission or load basis and are only held to that suitability standard, while in other programs, they're charging advisory fees
1: and held to a fiduciary standard, which muddies the waters a little bit. Yeah. It makes things real complicated because a lot of times they're kind of going back from wearing the suitability hat to wearing the fiduciary hat and most of the time, if you have a relationship with one of these advisors, you have both of those things, right? You might have an account that's held to the fiduciary standard. And then you might have one that's only a suitability standard. And it becomes very complicated to know when your advisor is working under one capacity versus another capacity. So it kind of gets muddied in there a lot of times in Mm -hmm. terms of what you're doing and why you're doing it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when we talk a little bit more about some of the things that you should look out for. First off, understanding what these different roles are is very important to you making that right decision. But secondly, asking, you know, what capacity are you working under? And also, you know, what am I paying you for this? Right? Right. Seems like a simple question. It seems like it should be on the front of everything that you sign, but unfortunately it's oftentimes buried and it gets muddled into the mess of, are you getting a commission? Are you getting a kickback? And not all that stuff is always disclosed. Like you would, like it would make sense that it is. You'll hear advisors in that capacity described as dual registered.
0: And a lot of those firms describe themselves as fee based. So that's a, that's an important little Subtle name difference there, a registered investment advisory firm that always has a fiduciary standard will call themselves fee only, while a a hybrid firm will call themselves fee based. I've even heard some say fee mostly, (laughs) you know, and, you know, um, so they're they're, and again, it's more about understanding than it is about right right or wrong, um, which, you know. I guess um is a good segue into I mean we've we've probably tipped our hand as to what our biases are at this point but uh you know you and I both entered the investment advisory world through hybrid firms as did most of our contemporaries and Absolutely. You know I I spent the first 12 years of my 20 year career in a hybrid firm and You know, I I got to the point, and and I think you would echo this, you get to a point where you just begin to see the limitations, the pros and cons of each. And I've always felt that being a fee-only advisor on a fiduciary standard was the best way to get my interests aligned with
1: the client's. And to feel good about my recommendation, absolutely. And and I think you know at the end of the day, as as we've discussed, we you as an advisor, you want to feel like you're doing the best you can for your clients, and so you want to be um, in that position to make recommendations that are going to be in their best interest. I you know they're out there, but most advisors. Want you as the investor to succeed, Mm -hmm. and so there's not one perfect way to do it. But you and I, like we said, have both felt that going that fee-only route helped us become better advisors and helped us align what we believe to be true.
0: It it was funny. I was in the had been in the industry for a few years before I really recognized the difference between suitability and fiduciary duty to my clients, and it was in a context where I was asking to do something with templates that I was going to be providing to clients in the compliance department of the firm that I worked for, which was a brokerage firm. But, you know, in a hybrid situation, said, well, you can't you can't do that because then you become a fiduciary automatically. And I had to stop and really think about that. And, and I remember saying to them, aren't I always a fiduciary? Like, it, like, like, I mean, I kind of knew better, but I'd never really like it, like it. And I, I think, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it was like, huh, I can't imagine, you know, I personally can't imagine not being a fiduciary or not being held responsible for trying to do what's best for my clients. Right. And yeah. I, I imagine when I talk to a lot of other folks that are, especially if they're a little bit younger in the industry that are in those situations, they probably haven't had that that moment yet where, where it kind of clicks.
1: Yeah, I had a, um, a similar moment in, in terms of when I started a couple of years in, and I think I held on a year longer than you did, Dave. I think I was 13 years in before I moved over to fee only, and, and I was fee-based or, or fee mostly. That's my mm-hmm. new favorite one for a <laughs> long time. And and we chuckle about it, but that really yeah. means that I want to do what's best for you as often as I can, but not yeah. every situation, right. it, it makes sense. But so my kind of aha moment came when, you know, I was looking at Early on, at least when I was looking at the different types of products that we offered at the bank that I was at, and, you know, a lot of the the products that were better for the clients had a lower commission rate, which means that basically the bank makes less money on what I'm selling to the client, even though it's better for the client. And I actually got a couple of calls saying, you know, what are you putting people in this for? You know, you're not making the bank enough money, but, you know, it's better for the client themselves and so that always kind of struck me as a this interesting kind of dynamic of and and what i didn't understand is why can't every product if it has to have a commission be have the same commission right like why why is there this wide range and and i firmly believe and, and we can talk about this a little bit more but that And my, I believe the whole industry should be fiduciaries. I don't think that we should have this pick and choose. I think that if you're giving out financial advice, it should be on a fiduciary standard. And if that doesn't mean that people can't still sell things, but they can't hold themselves out as a financial planner or as an advisor, giving out advice when what they're really doing is selling something. And there's always going to be a place for people that are selling things, but we need to make that big difference in terms of who we are as an industry? I, I, th- this,
0: is, this is my favorite example to explain that with clients. So we choose to be fee only and we're being paid for our advice. And when we do a financial plan for clients, most of our clients need some form of life insurance, right? Right. But they're, they're paying us to help them put a plan together. I don't need to be paid a commission for a particular transaction to buy life insurance. I'd have absolutely no problem either working with their insurance provider if they have one or introducing them to someone that I know we can trust to do the right thing for them. Let that person be paid their commission. There's a, there's a, there's a definite role for that. Absolutely. Um, And I'm paid to give the overall plan I shouldn't have my recommendation to buy life insurance mean that I make a couple hundred extra dollars in the commission. You know, because then all of a sudden then the question become me, between me and the client is do I re- you know the, from the client's point of view is do I really need that life insurance or has Dave decided he's not being paid enough for the planning or the other investments we're doing so he's looking for another way to make a couple
1: couple hundred dollars. Right. You know? And and Absolutely. And, and it, kind of the non-industry example is, you know, if you went to the doctor's office and he was also running the pharmacy, you <laughs> would probably get real concerned potentially right. about how many prescriptions you went home with every day. Right. And so, and I know that industry is not perfect yeah. either, but they try <laughs> to separate it yeah. and make it so that, you know, you, you have this separation of yeah. the person giving you the advice, doing what's best for you. And all doctors have that oath and the making sale or product sales as a, well, as a result of that.
0: And well, and to take that, take that a step further, those doctors are legally responsible for what they recommend. It is not just a suitability standard that, that, that prescription was good enough. It's that it was, you know, they, in the, to the best of their professional knowledge, it was the right thing to use for that client. And right. that, I think, um,
1: that I think is an important, uh, important distinction. Absolutely. Uh, So... And And just kind of going back and, and recap, and I only said this a couple of times, but there's good advisors in each of these categories, sure. But when you're working with them, one of the things that I would want to know, just like the questions that I ask the you know my insurance agent is how do you get paid? What do you get paid? Mm-hmm. What am I paying you? I think those are important questions. I think a lot of times the general public's a little bit afraid to ask those questions or maybe you feel dumb because you don't know the answer. Well, the reality is. A lot of times nobody knows the answer. Right? right. You know, the answer is sometimes buried in the middle. And so you're not dumb for asking that question. That's a question I wish more people came into our office and asked us. Right. What am I going to pay you? How much are you getting paid yeah. anything else?
0: Well, and you know, along those lines, if you think your investments are free, they're not. Someone yeah. is always being paid. Absolutely. And Whether it's a line on your statement that says explicitly this is an advisory fee going to Shotwell, Rudder Bear, or whomever you're working with, or it's buried inside of mutual funds, or it's buried inside of product sales, those fees are there. And if you think you're not paying anything, then you're probably paying commissions and loads. And there's a reason that you don't know, because people don't
1: want you to know. Right. So, absolutely. There's no, to my knowledge, no nonprofits in the uh, investment <laughs> right, insurance world. Right. Right, <laughs> right. I've,
0: I've actually had to. Well, I don't want to name any firms, but I've had to say, you know, X Y Z investment is <He's> not. Right. <laughs> you know, they don't have that cushy office in Manhattan with oak paneling and those nice uh, suits and uh, white shoes right. because they're uh, right. they're a nonprofit. Exactly. So, and, uh, and that's, the, that's the big thing. Recognize you're going to pay somebody for what you're doing. Just make sure you know what it is and and can wrap your head around whether you're getting value for it.
1: Yeah. And I would say, you know, another thing too we can add on here is, you know, if you're not sure and you can't quite get a straight answer, feel free to reach out. You yeah. know, we're pretty good at telling you what you have and what you're paying for it or where to go look for it if you're mm-hmm. not sure. So definitely reach out, give us a, a call or email us and we would um, love to walk you through kind of what those fees are yeah. and, and how to find that information if you're not sure. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good place to wrap it up for the day. It's yeah, it was a a good one, a confusing topic, but I think important to understand who you're working with and 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 asking those important questions when you're working with a firm. So this was fantastic.
0: All right. Well, it's a a sunny Friday afternoon, so let's uh, call it a day and uh, get out there and enjoy ourselves. Have a good weekend. Sounds good. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Nick. Gather round and follow the Kitchen Table Finance podcast to learn about money and simple ways you can invest right now. You can find more practical advice at srbadvisors.com and contact the team for personal planning by emailing info at srbadvisors.com.